Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know? Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you're on your way to say. <laughs> All right, so I went to the stand-up comedy show yesterday. Uh, John Mulaney, I think is his name. I might be butchering his last name. He's well-known. He's got Netflix specials. I've seen one of his Netflix specials. Um, and so Aaron and I went there last night. Uh, it was at the Sastel Center, so he's a big deal. Anybody playing at the Sastel Center, you're yeah. like, you're, you're pretty big. Um, and yeah, we go there, and I remember watching him on Netflix. Um, I wasn't like the, the hugest fan, but we go there and his openers that kick the show off, mm -hmm. man, that whole place like erupted just for his openers. They were short and sweet, but funny as fuck. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like who all, fucking plain, um, I wonder who all went there and I wonder if they would agree with that statement. Cause like the vibe or the energy in Sastel Center was that there was more like uproar, like loud laughter with the two openers than with this John Mulaney. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, yeah, man. Like I, I was very impressed. I'm like, man, these guys should be like the main event, you mm -hmm. know? And that's probably like the risk of like a big headliner, like John Mulaney or whoever bringing like some heat for your openers. I always remember Rogan said that, Hey, yeah. he would try to bring the best people, cultivate them together to, to open for him. Whereas some of those older comedians who maybe had that famine mentality were like, I want to get shitty openers right. so that it makes me look good. But it's kind of like that concept of competition is good. It's like, yeah. it'll bring the best out in you if you got to be on your toes. And the other thing I liked about it was that that show wasn't like a waste of time at all. If he didn't have openers or if he didn't have good openers and I didn't laugh at mm. all, then I would kind of be like, oh, that show kind of sucked. But because I was like, I was laughing out loud multiple right times the with the openers. Yeah. And so even though that I didn't like the final act with John Mulaney, I still left there being like, man, that was nice to laugh. That's true because it's not really a success if the first few are duds and then the main event is really funny. That's not really a success either. It's almost like when you watch the UFC and all the first fights are really boring. By the time you yeah. get to the main event, you're checked out. Yeah. Your energy's so low. Yeah. But it's like because they made everyone laugh. It's like everyone is like kind of excited for the main yeah. main show. Yeah. And it wasn't that he was like um like he was telling really good stories. Like he had a wild story of like how during the pandemic he like got really addicted to cocaine and a lot of like heavy pharmaceuticals mm. and like a bunch of his um, comedic friends, they, they like invited him over for like a, I don't know if it was like a supper or something. I forget what it was, but they invited him over. And so he just thinks he's coming over to like, you know, hang out with his comedic friends, like eight friends. And so on his way there, being the junkie that he was, he stopped and got like a bag of Coke, a bunch of pharmaceuticals, snorted a bunch, and he shows up to this place. It was an intervention. <laughs> so he shows up to an intervention oh, and he's like, oh no, you know, and he's all strung out. Um, so, but but I, I found that his act was like almost like a podcast story. It was very good. It was very entertaining. I was yeah. smiling the whole time and I was like engaged, but it wasn't like, um, like punchline after punchline where I'm laughing. Yeah. 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 There's different styles of comedy. Hey, sometimes yeah. that's good when somebody can kind of take you on a ride and storytell with a couple chuckles Yeah. as opposed to like bang, bang, yeah. bang, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's just like an energy thing. Like I think some people found him very funny. Like, um, you know, he's a little bit more like. I don't know, uppity, his voice is a little bit like higher pitch and there's just something about him that I didn't enjoy that much mm. compared to the other guys. Yeah. But it was still a good show. I was watching a little bit of uh, Tony Hinchcliffe roasting people last night. Man, he's so good. <laughs> he's ruthless. He's so savage. Yeah. If you watch Tony Hinchcliffe Savage Moments, um, oh man, he's... And I don't know if it's part partly because he is just this Skeletor-like skinny little dude but he's just like so ruthless with the shit he says. If he was, if he looked like Rogan, it might not come off the same. Right. Then you, you look like a bully almost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, it, it, he kind of bullies people, but he's this toothpick. Yeah. I think that's happens with like a lot of people like that where, um, 
I think he even said something on, he was recently on Theo Vaughn's podcast and I think he got messed with a lot when he was younger because he was like a little petite, skinny little kid and people would fuck with him all the time. So he developed like a sharp tongue. So if like a guy, if like a big jock was messing with him, he could insult that guy with his words and everyone would laugh and then he would get like almost more dominance from that yeah. than this big strong jock guy fucking with him. It's like a defense mechanism to yeah. bullying is to being funny and ruthless. Yeah, you're like a porcupine but your quills are jokes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Man, I'm just trying not to laugh. I'm just some of the things you were saying kept reminding me of when um Theo Vaughn used to do coke back in the day and he would always like wear a vest. <laughs> multiple vests (laughs) he had two vests on one time and his story about when he locked Uh, himself out of his apartment he told his landlord he was having like baking a turkey or something so stupid he's a character he left the blender on he's doing coke and he left the blender on and he locked himself out of his apartment and then and and then the landlord like had to like open the door thinking that he was like was he like said he had people over for like some kind of like supper? So he he left his blender on. He's doing coke. He locked himself out of his apartment, and then I think the blender started to smoke and maybe create like a little fire. Oh. So then he got his landlord to light him in. He's like, "What's the smoke?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm having a turkey. I'm having a Christmas get together." <laughs> oh, no. It's like, man, he's gonna open the door. Like, why wouldn't you just say something better? Man, drug like when you're like really addicted to drugs, you do some dumb shit. Like that was this John Mulaney guy. Yeah. Like it was just like like on his way to the rehab center like they're driving him there and like at any opportunity he could get he was like do you mind if i go to the bathroom real quick and like they're like no man we know you're gonna snort a bunch of coke yeah you know coke coke makes people lie oh yeah makes people shitheads man yeah yeah and he said um you know, like you just talked about like the pandemic, how everyone is like, Oh, trust the doctors, trust the doctors. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, man, I went to a doctor. He's like, his name was Dr. Michael, no last name. He he did it. He, he, he practiced out of his apartment building. And he's like, what you want to do is you want to go on, um, like, uh, what is it like med.com or something. And you want to find your local doctors and you want the guy with the lowest rating because he'll take anybody. And so I found the guy with the lowest rating and I showed up at his apartment and at his apartment. Yeah. His doctor. <laughs> Not at his office. And this is a real doctor with like, he went to the same school as all the other doctors. Yeah. He's just a low level doctor yeah. who, and, and John Mulaney would literally walk in there saying like, I just want this. I want these drugs, you know? And then the guy would, as he's writing the prescription and ripping it off the page to give it to him, he's like, what's this for? And he's like, I got anxiety. He's like, okay didn't give a shit yeah. just here you go yeah. he's like you want like a flu shot you want like anything else <laughs> and yeah Jeez, you just literally man. go in there like a drug dealer yeah you know yeah if you want something you can you can find it yeah yeah on this on this drug topic that's the one thing that i'm so happy about just not being in that whole party scene anymore at this age yeah is when you go somewhere and you're either having a couple drinks or you're sober and somebody's doing coke and they're in your personal space, trapping you in from a your face, <laughs> spitting in your face, telling you about all their cool ideas. Right. And they don't have the self-awareness to be like, maybe I'm annoying this person. Right. It's tough. Hey, when they it's trap tough. you in a corner, man. Yeah. I feel like you're in a fight and you're fighting a pressure fight and he's got you in the corner. I'm like, how do I get out of here, yeah, man? That's tough, <laughs> you know? man. That's tough. <laughs> uh, speaking of drugs, it's a low level one, I guess, but, um, nicotine i've had cigars on my mind i almost went and bought a cigar for this podcast really i think we should do that <laughs> smoking in this car i don't know about that bro oh yeah <laughs> pussy <laughs> are you been watching too much uh andrew tate or what no no uh aubrey marcus oh okay i just watched like a little clip he was like doing a podcast with duncan trussell and duncan trussell had a, a cute pink little vape yeah. And he was really embarrassed about it because he used to make fun of everyone who vaped. Yeah. And now here he is on a podcast, like sucking on this like pink little dildo looking thing. Yeah. But Aubrey had like a daddy cigar. Yeah. And even in his book, he talks about like the benefits of like um, uh, proper nicotine. Yeah. Like obviously cigarettes are packed with a million other things. But yeah. if you can get yeah. like a quality cigar, it's not so bad every now and then. Yeah. I kind of want it. Yeah. I want to try it. It's funny how th- things fade in and fade out. I feel like right now, cigars are kind of getting back in, like the big stogies. Right. Like Rogan and those guys have them, like people like Andrew Tate. And yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's kind of become me. this, you know, like this manly thing of like, hey, like have a cigar, you know. Shows the power of influence, right? Yeah, like if you watch time. those guys and it just, it just kind of like looks relaxing. It looks cool when they blow the big smoke out. And I'm just like a dumb monkey. He's like, I want that. Yeah. Well, you for know? sure. It's like when we were watching 
you were watching Peaky Blinders. I'm watching Narcos. And it makes you want to just have scotch a little bit more. I was drinking um, like whiskey on the rocks. I don't do that. <laughs> you but don't because do that. Thomas Shelby was doing it. Yeah. I'm like, I want to, I yeah. need to be like him. Yeah. Influence is real, man. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, what do, um, influence marketing. Is that what it's, what it's called? Influence marketing. Um, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's it's kind of the same thing. It's yeah. like, if you're, if you're on social media and you're an influencer, you're marketing something yeah. yourself yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 So speaking of social media, you, today is the day you start a month off, right? Hey, Segway. Yeah. Yeah. Today's the day, man. It's the first day. And honestly, even on the first day, I already feel better than everyone who's using social media. <laughs> I thought you, yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even crack a smile. You're kind of like processing it. Like, what did you just Pretty say? Pretty convincing. Um, so what, what, but do you, because normally in your routine, after you read, meditate, do private do you get on social media or like what's your normal schedule like involving social media um or, yeah like usually i'll like i'll do a little bit of a morning routine and then i'll go on on social media after and, like it's noon right now so normally you've you've kind of checked your shit oh yeah yeah for sure yeah 100 yeah, i get yeah. up so early and i'm already like on the mats doing things so like after the 6 a.m class if i don't have a private yeah. like i'll i'll check social media or maybe i'll post something yeah um and, and, and we talked about it before my usage wasn't like that crazy, but, um, yeah, I just felt this urge to, to get off of it for a little while. Like, like I said, I've been on Instagram at least for like six years, pretty active. Yeah. And then, you know, with TikTok, and we were dabbling with the YouTube a little bit. Um, and even Facebook, I've been a little bit more active on lately. And I'm like, you know what? I, um, I need to just step away from this um, for the time being. So for 30 days, I'm, I'm off social media completely. I'm not doing TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. The only thing I'll be doing is recording a podcast and posting it. Oh, so not even YouTube. No, I'm not even, I'm not even allowing myself to watch Netflix on, um, on the weekdays. Okay. Um, and then what was my other rule? Oh yeah. I'm not even taking photos or video. I don't want to take photos or video because if I am allowing myself to do that, I will still be in um, creator mode yeah. and I'll be logging all of this content. Mm, and yeah. I, I, I just, I, I want nothing to do with social media for 30 days. Um, one of the reasons, there's so many different reasons, but I, I find that one of them is like, I just feel like I'm in between stories in my life right now or in between phases or identities. And, um, I found when I first did van life and I was first getting into social media, I knew where the ship was going and I knew how to direct it. I knew what path I was on and my long-term goals are still solid, but I just feel like there's a little in between moment right now that I could really use like stillness. And I think pulling back from social media will help allow that stillness and help allow me to like listen to my intuition and then I'll be able to help steer the ship a little bit better by doing that. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of like, I, I don't think I had a problem with it. I, I wasn't like, it wasn't affecting me that negatively to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I just, I genuinely feel like I would get a lot of benefit and a lot of, um, just good ideas and good direction from stepping back. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good to do it that way. Like it's a little more extreme, like no YouTube or anything because, um, it's almost like if you fast, but you still allow yourself to drink coffee with cream in it. It's like, right. well, it's kind of a fast, but it's it's like not a food really fast. a fast. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. if you're gonna do it, just just do it right, do it all the way. And yeah. like, like I said, thirty days is pretty extreme, you know. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see if it affects your business, your mind state, your, yeah. you know, just everything. I know it's gonna affect my mindset. Yeah. Like already. So yesterday. It like today's the day one. Yesterday, I, I was only on social media like three times to like make sure I was gathering people's phone numbers and emails so they could still contact me for private lessons. But I'm listening to a podcast yesterday, and I just felt like I was more in tune with the podcast because I knew that I was already like I'm kind of prepping myself to not go on social media. So I'm like, don't fucking touch your phone just to check it. Yeah. yeah. So many times I'd be listening to a podcast. And I would just randomly, for no fucking reason, grab my phone and just look at shit. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's you're automatic. Li- yeah, you're listening to an amazing conversation with two people you really like. And now I'm just scrolling. So I'm, are, are you listening to a podcast or are you on Instagram right yeah, now? Yeah, 
I do the same thing. Man. Everybody does. And then I go back. I'm like, oh, I got to listen to the last two minutes again. Yeah. I don't even know what they're talking about. And so, yeah, it just felt really nice already to listen to a podcast <laughs> properly. And then I heard one thing, which we'll get into. I played it back four times because I was so into it. And I really wanted to like hear what they were talking about with this one idea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just listened to it four times. And so I was just like, I, I have a feeling I'll just be absorbing information better and I'll just be a little bit more like into whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'll be into the book I'm reading, which I ordered four books yesterday. I'm yeah. so fucking pumped. All Ryan Holiday books? Two Ryan Holiday books. Um, one of them is kind of like, it's like, um, fuck, what was it called? Um, uh, Fire in the Dark or something. And then it like, you know how it's like the title and then there's like a little bottom thing it always says. It was like... Um, like men and gods or something. It's kind of like a fucking masculine book. I wanted it. Yeah. It's gangster shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does look really cool. And uh, yeah, I got some good reviews and then, uh, another book that I can't remember, but yeah, two Ryan holiday books. I want to get into that one thing that you mentioned soon about, um, something to do with the podcast, good podcast you're listening to four times. But first I want to ask you, um, you mentioned you were you had a yearning to do psych recently you said you had a kind of a yearning to do psychedelics in the near future have you planned any of that would it be mushrooms would it be lsd or have you not really i haven't planned it but it's been on my mind the only reason i'm hesitant is because like i've got that little fucking itch to avenge my loss yeah and it's not the time to do psychedelics when you're like yeah. If you're like, yeah, it's a really, I, I just, I don't like connecting my fight brain with my spiritual brain. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but yeah, for whatever reason, just intuitively, um, I get a little bit, I, I would get a little bit freaked out if I was like thinking about fighting someone or if I signed a contract and then I do mushrooms and I get this deep feeling of like, you shouldn't do this. And now I'm second guessing myself and I don't want to be a guy who backs out of a fight. That sort of thing. Yeah, it's good to kind of know yourself in that sense, hey, of like, am I in Spartan mode or am I in like finding myself mode? Yeah. And just kind of separating the two. Because I think there is a big distinction there. I think that's important. Yeah, and I don't want to like bite off more than I can handle. Like, I I feel like 30 days off social media, it's no joke. Like, um, I I remember hearing it was like, if you ever um, judge a drug user, try leaving your house without your phone. And you'll just be touching your pocket like a coke head without coke is going to be looking for their pockets. Like, where's my cocaine? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, d- I don't want to, like, do so much during this 30 days. Like, I think all the rules that I set, I just want to accomplish that task during this time. Yeah. And just kind of continue living my life. But I don't want to be, like, you know, doing all this shit in 30 days. And yeah. I'll just be like, this is exhausting yeah. or, like, whatever. Yeah. I, I kind of feel this a similar thing recently. And I was even going to bring it up today of... Um, I'm normally like on a clear path, you know, like I feel content. I'm working with purpose. I know what I want. I know where I'm heading. And fortunately for me, I've, I've been able to, you know, find that state lots. But as of recent, I just feel like I need some answers and I feel like I need some clarity. Um, so I've been kind of just over the last couple of days thinking about psychedelics again, because mm. it's been over a couple of years. And, um, even if it was just microdosing, like, yeah. I don't know, but we've talked about it before. It, it almost has to, you have to get the pull to do it. Right. And I haven't been thinking about it until very, very recently here. Interesting. But, um, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. It, psychedelics seem to give you clarity on simply what's important in life. Yeah. And and that you do the psychedelic, that clarity stays with you for a day, two, three week, but it's slowly the fog builds up again with everyday reality, with life, with the rat race. And maybe you feel like you lose a bit of sight and then you do the psychedelic again and it clears the fog. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah. Relationships, you know, like how I spend my time, like this is what's important, my yeah. family. And you get that clarity again. I feel like I might need some of that clarity again. Yeah. It's almost like, um, the, it brings stillness to your mind. Yeah. You know, it's like, it kind of like allows you to think a little more clear. Yeah. Um, 
it's funny though because sometimes you'll just be a little giggle puss and laugh your ass off and that sometimes is the most cherishable moment that you'll remember forever yeah it's more valuable than um having direction in your business or helping your relationship it's like sometimes you need to laugh really hard and aubrey marcus mentioned that on a podcast he was talking about like all these psychedelic quests that he's been on and how powerful they've been but he's like you know what's one of my strongest memories of all the psychedelics i've done He's like, we did, we did mushrooms together. He's like me and like my best friends. And he's like, we were watching one of my friends try to butter toast and he couldn't do it because his motor <laughs> skills were off. Yeah, yeah. We, he's like, we were all crying laughing. And he's like, I will just never forget how funny it was to see a full grown man not be able to put butter on toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like, yeah, so you just, you never know what you're going to get, but it's, it's, yeah, it, I do find them very beneficial, even if it is just a laugh fest. Well, and even if it's a hysterical laugh fest, maybe what you can take out of that once it's done is, Hey, you know, I, I haven't laughed like that belly laughed in a long time. Maybe I'm taking myself too seriously. Like maybe I need to just be, you know, be prone to giggle more, be right. prone to like laugh at myself more or, or my friends or whatever. Um, right. That's a funny thing, hey, how it affects your motor skills. Yeah. It's like, if you have something planned over the next several hours when you're doing mushrooms, take it off the list because you're not going to get it done. 100%. And I can just picture it because we've done it, you know, a number of times growing up. And I remember one time we we tried to like roll some joints. Yeah, I was thinking about And it's that. like your fingers aren't working <laughs> yeah. and you're just like folding this paper and everything's falling out of your hands. And then 10 minutes later, you set it down. You're like, I can't do this. Yeah. But I just picture us like sitting in somebody's house and like... We, we'll get up because we feel like we need to do something and we'll try to roll a joint or we'll try to like we'll like walk around the kitchen and pace for a bit and then we just come sit back down and we're like nah <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. need to sit I down. need to sit right here <laughs> yeah so funny oh, man. man it's been a while yeah see I don't know I don't know it, um, we'll see um, it's funny right when you brought up the psychedelic thing I just pictured uh, Adam's expression when he was talking about ketamine and like in his mind I think it was like this really like it's really intense, like kind of dangerous drug that you shouldn't do. But I mean, there there's doctors prescribing it in Saskatoon. You can go get ketamine treatment. You pay 500 bucks. You can sit with a doctor and they'll give it to you. <laughs> Here's Ryan being like, I've done ketamine. Adam just turns around. He's like, you've done ketamine? You know? <laughs> yeah, snorted it. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like sometimes like, yeah, it's like you don't really assume certain things. Especially like, man, life is long. It's like when we're young, it's like, fuck, we've done a lot of shit. Yeah. A lot of people have done a lot of shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I just sure. thought it was so funny how shocked he was and how casually he said it. Yeah. Well, well, even, even acid sounded like the craziest thing until you found out some people, you know, have done it and then maybe you did it and you're like, oh, it's kind of like mushrooms. It's not this crazy thing that'll make you necessarily jump out of a window. I had a blast on it. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to get into my thing. Yeah, let's get you into it. You got anything else? No. Do you know what a citadel is? No. It's like a fortress. It's like um, typically like on a high ground, like if it's like, um, like a really rich city or a, a castle or something, there would be like a citadel protecting it, a big okay. fortress. So an inner citadel would be like an internal fortress something you're protecting from the outside world. Um, it's a big, like, it's actually the, it's like a stoic um, concept. Mm -hmm. I, I've never heard that before. Although all the times we've read stoic books, I've never heard the term inner citadel. I've never heard that word ever. Yeah. So I'm listening <laughs> to this podcast. These guys are talking about inner citadel. And yeah, basically, again, it's like this, um, this internal fortress you build to help protect yourself from outside events typical stoic practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's good and bad to that. I'm going to do my best to like talk about a few different examples. Uh, I have a personal good example and a personal bad example, and then I'll try to get some other ones that I'm not connected with. Um, like, a one example of a, a positive inner citadel that I've created for myself um, actually, before I get into that, I'm going to read a quote because it'll help you better understand what inner cit citadel is. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> if you can't get what you want, you must teach yourself to want what you can get. If you can't get what you want, you must teach yourself to want what you can get. So, before I did van life, 
I was kind of living a life. Um, I wasn't enjoying it, but it was the typical, you know, when somebody doesn't know what to do, you try to make money, you earn money, you buy a house, you buy a, the nicest vehicle, vehicle you can get. Um, you get a credit card. You just kind of live the typical North American life. I tried that route. I didn't get it. I didn't succeed in air quotes in that life because I was miserable and I had bad spending habits and I just got into some trouble. Mm. I had to teach myself to not <clears throat> want any of that because I knew I needed to backtrack and almost retreat. My retreat was van life. And so life didn't give me what I thought I wanted. So I retreat back to van life and I rebuild and I start from ground zero, but I build a fortress around my head or in my head saying that I don't value material possessions. I don't value a home right now. I don't value a new vehicle. I don't need to look fancy. I don't value any materialistic things. I value the direction of my life. So I'm going to retreat back to myself and start from ground zero. That to me was a very positive way of building a fortress in your mind because I had to protect myself. I wasn't in a position to continue the North American dream and to have a white picket fence and to do all those things. And so to me, that was like a, a positive way to build a fortress because now I'm not like, I didn't just get another job and really try to hang on to this house. Deep down, I knew that that life wasn't for me right now. I would enjoy a martial art journey by just doing the van life. So that's a, a kind of one example of like building a um, internal fortress or an inner citadel. Man, that's, I just want to say one thing. That's a hard thing to do what you did, but it's so valuable. Like telling yourself, I am who I am. I'm not who people want me to be. I know what I need and it's not what society thinks I need. Right. And it's like um, desire less to be happy. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, it's like I had to remove all my desires. Yeah. You know, and that's a tough thing to do, especially yeah. in today's world in North America. Yeah. Um, you can even go back to um, like religious times, like early Christianity. Um, I think there was a, what was the, I, I don't know the whole quote. Um, you ever hear that term, blessed are the meek? I've heard. Or blessed are the meek? I've heard similar things, yes. I think it kind of comes from um, like uh, Roman Catholics they really protected the the wealthy. I mean, like every fucking culture and civilization does. They kind of protect themselves. And like a lot of poor people at that time, they couldn't get wealthy. They were kind of stuck at the bottom. They were, they were suffering a lot. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I think a lot of the wealthy people and the poor people thought that because you were wealthy, God favored you and you were closer to God. But blessed are the meek was a way to give power back to the poor, saying that like the poorer you are, the closer you are to God. It's like the more you suffer, the more you will be rewarded in heaven. And so like even way back then, they were building a uh, inner citadel, a fortress in their mind that protected them from like, I don't need your riches. Mm. I'm closer to God than That's you it. are. And so it was like a way to protect their, their ego or their pride or whatever. Um, before I get into the negative, negative example of my inner citadel, I'll just give a few other examples so people really understand it. Um, one way would be like, uh, let's say you're in a relationship and you get cheated on. You build a fortress in your head saying like, relationships aren't for me. And, and now you never commit to anybody because you don't want to get your heart broken again. You got cheated on, your heart got broken. Now, <laughs> fortress gets built around your mind and mm -hmm. you protect yourself from that. You're like, I don't need that in my life. And then you might die lonely. Mm -hmm. So that may or may not be a positive way of building an inner citadel. Yeah. Uh, another example that we see sometimes is uh, obesity. Like a lot of people are saying, uh, obesity doesn't necessarily mean that you're unhealthy. And so you build this big inner citadel or this big fortress in your head saying like, I'm healthy even though I'm 400 pounds and I want the world to view me as healthy. Don't just judge me because I'm obese. Like I'm, I'm healthy and now I can make whatever choices I want, eat whatever I want. I don't need to go to the gym. Just view me as like a healthy individual. Yeah. And that might be a negative inner citadel. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one would be like, then this is one example they said in the podcast, but it's like, if you, if you can't hold a job and you keep getting fired or you just don't show up, whatever, you might pick up like a life of crime. 
You might say, ah, working's not for me. That nine to five shit's for losers. I'm going to go sell drugs. You build this fortress around your mind, protecting you from that life. And then you go to this life. Yeah. So those are like a few examples. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to try to do this because I don't want to, this is what we were talking about before. I don't want to, um, talk too much about my personal family, people that aren't here to talk about the situations. I'm going to try to do this carefully. Um, I kind of built a, in my mind now, I thought it was a positive one, not anymore, a negative inner citadel. So when I was in grade 12, I think it was grade 12, my parents divorced. At the time, I didn't really, I didn't think much of it. I didn't really, it didn't impact me that much. I didn't think. And then when my parents divorced, um, there was other family issues that separated us more and more. And when I was young, when it was Christmas time or any kind of gathering, there was like 40, 50 family members, nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles. Everybody was there. It was a mm-hmm. big family thing. Uh, religion kind of separated us all. And I, I, I really feel like we kind of got scattered um, and shunned in some ways. We as in your immediate family? Yeah. Okay. And so with the divorce and then that happening, um, I started to view family as unimportant. And I was like, I don't even care if you're blood. It means nothing to me. I, I built an inner citadel and a fortress around my head, protecting me from family loss. So I was like, in my mind, family's unimportant. I just need good friends, you know, like the people around in my circle. That's all I need. And I'm good. And so that trickled into my immediate family as well. And I was unknowingly doing things that may have hurt certain family members. And I got a message from um, uh, my dad, which was really, um, I won't say what it was, but it was just really um, meaningful to me. It would really like, it kind of shined the light on some of the things that I did and he did. It was a really kind of... Um, it was a good thing that he did. I really appreciate it. And I told him that we had a little conversation about it, but I didn't know it until he sent me that message. That's why I didn't sleep all night that Mm. one night. Like I I find that, you know, my dad said this too. He's like, I don't know if he's like, I have a feeling you're like this too, but he's like, I'm an overthinker. And then he kind of sent me this, this email cause he's old school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but anyway, I didn't sleep. And so the next day I hear this podcast about inner Citadel and building a fortress. And I'm like, fuck, that's why I was behaving that way because I didn't value family. To me, it was broken. And I just was like, I don't need this shit. My fortress was bulletproof until my dad pierced it with that little message. And then it shined the light on what I was doing. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, because deep down, I value family. I don't need to repeat the cycle of old family members and like what they did. I can have a good family. I can like still put effort in to keep those connections alive. And, and so, yeah, just that, that it's funny how like that one message just, and then hearing that I started just connecting it mm. and I had like a, my own revelation yesterday. That's why I listened to it four fucking times mm. and Aaron came home and I'm like, babe, you got to hear this real quick. Yeah. Like, let me just vent for like five minutes. I need to tell you this. And so now, yeah, I just was like, I, I felt very, um, like uplifted and rejuvenated. And I, and I told my dad this, I was like, I really appreciate the message you sent because it, it tugged on my heartstrings and it did sting a little bit because I knew you were right. And I said, I was like, do you remember what Kane said to me when, um, when we were younger? And he's like, you got two choices every day. You can wake up and be a fucking asshole or you can wake up and be a good person and you keep choosing to be a fucking asshole. And then he shut the door and walked away stung, but he was right. And sometimes when you have like tough love or someone who really cares for you and they give you that hard truth, mm-hmm. it hits you in the face and you make corrections. Mm-hmm. If you're too soft about it, you're like, shut up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he said it in the right way that it oh. just impacted me really well. And so I, that would be an example of perhaps a negative inner citadel. I protected myself in air quotes, but really I was hurting myself because I was distancing myself from certain family members. Mm-hmm. You're like justifying that it's okay and you don't need them when deep down you kind of did need them maybe. Yeah. And it's like, you don't think you need them because the fortress you built was so uh, ingrained. Like convinced it's, it's yourself. You don't need them. Yeah. yeah. Like since grade 12, when my parents divorced yeah. in my brain, it didn't hurt me that much emotionally because I think right away is my, I just, a fortress got built up and just protect me from any negative emotion towards that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you guys, whatever you're going to get a divorce. Like that's fine. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, and I'm 34 years old and I, I kind of realized it's like, you know, I haven't seen Kane in over two years. We live in the same damn city. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't really want that. I would rather us be a little closer. We don't have to. And like, that's the thing. I'm not saying I have to see your family member every week or like every time you see each other, it's all lovey dovey and like all amazing. Yeah. But to put a little bit more effort into just keeping those connections, um, especially with people like, you know, your parents where they're getting older, they're not going to be around forever. Mm -hmm. Last thing I need is like for one of them to pass away and for me to be thinking about this shit, be like, wow, I was a shitty kid. You get the clarity after the fact of like, wow, I didn't make an effort at all. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's deep. Yeah. We probably all have some sort of an inner citadel built, whether it's negative or positive. hundred percent. That's why I wanted to like talk about this and try to give different examples. Cause I, I don't know, man, like I, you know, we were talking about leaving an impact and influencing people at the beginning of this podcast. And it's like, even though our podcast is small, we can still make little influences. And if you share stuff like that, you know, with certain examples, like maybe somebody listening, even if it's one person, they might be like, holy fuck, like I built an inner citadel with, with this, like with my, with maybe my obesity or my relationship with my mom or my girlfriend, whatever. Man, it's, it's interesting when we're young and we have that first relationship that like is the first like real connection and real relationship you have. And then for the most part, when you're young, you know, when you're 16 to early twenties and you get that first real relationship, it doesn't work out, you know, like it's, it's more rare. I think that you meet your high school sweetheart and stay with them forever. Mm. Um, and it's like after that first one cuts deep, I think a lot of people, including myself build that wall up of like, I didn't like the way that felt ended ending. I'm not going to open my heart anymore. And like, fuck it. I don't need this. You know, like I was vulnerable and now I'm hurt. So like, I don't care about anything anymore. And then you like go on this path. Well, I did anyways, where, you know, it's relationships out of the question. And, you know, when you have interactions with people of the opposite sex, it's, it's, it's like transactional and you you don't open your heart and it's just like very, very surface level, very objective. It's just lust. And you're just like, I don't know. And relationships are weird. Relationships can bring different things out of you. Like I've been that person where in relationships, my partner can just make me so emotional right. and like bring out the worst aspects of me. It's like, why am I like crying? Like, I don't even cry. Right. And I'm like a baby with you. Cause you just tug on all these strings. And there's been other times where I've just been cold and maybe the partner, whoever's like crying in this. And I just like, don't feel anything. Mm. And I think at that time, that's when I've built up that inner citadel or inner wall of like, I'm cold. Like I'm only opening up so much so I can't hurt myself. And right. We're just such emotional beings, man. We can be, or yeah. we can be the opposite. And it's like, and there's a fine line, right? Like I was talking to, uh, I went for, um, who did I go for coffee with? Did I talk to Raheem about this? I forget. Might've been Raheem. Anyway, I'm, and this might not even be a good thing. I don't know, but I'm watching Aubrey Marcus's podcast and this guy that he had on, this is a little while ago. He was like a, I don't know if he was an environmentalist or a biologist, some kind of scientist, some smarty pants. The guy talked about how there was like a, um, maybe the coral reef, something in the world, whether it was a plant or a species was getting extinct. And he said like it was caused by us. Aubrey started crying. And I was like, I'll never cry if you tell me an animal's becoming extinct. I don't, I don't like maybe one day. But it would like I'd have to be on mushrooms to feel that yeah, one. Yeah. But like I literally was watching like like the guy said it and he's like yeah like you know because this this and this like this this um, you know animals is no longer like there's only like five left in the world and and then the camera spans to Aubrey he's got water in his eyes and he's cracking up he can't even form a sentence and I'm like wow that guy that guy feels <laughs> right like yeah. and and like I feel like the the work that he's done from the looks of it he belly laughs he feels strong empathy like he feels for people Mm -hmm. he feels for the planet like maybe that's that's like the golden ticket is to just feel more take all those inner walls down that we've built up and have the full spectrum of emotions yeah 
And especially in that setting where you're having a conversation with some guy on a podcast, like it's not like it's going to, um, you're not going to make a, a mental error because you got emotional and you're going to tank your business. There are times to be stoic, Yeah. right? Like if you're in business and you're in a meeting, you don't want to be like this wimp crying and all of a sudden like the CEO of another company is like, oh, this guy's a bitch. Like we're going to run his company to the ground. <laughs> Dude, that's funny, man. <laughs> Somewhat recently, um, for shits and giggles, you know, like we put on uh, Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. Okay. You know that song from I'm like the Titanic? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like getting emotional and like, like whelp, whelping up a bit or whatever you call it. I was like trying not to cry. I was like almost crying wow. just listening to the song <laughs> because the words are so like, you know, when an artist sings something and you're like, oh, this is coming from a real like place inside of them right. of like hurt and pain they're not just singing they're not saying words like they really m loved this person and like missed right. them now and like this is coming from their heart they're telling their story like in a song and you could feel like if you actually listen to that song and listen to the words she sang and like you can feel it coming from her heart about how someone has like died and she's like reminiscing on like how it felt to like wow. have them and i was like I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know if all the testosterone is out of my body. I don't know if I'm turning into an old softy, but I'm like fucking like trying not to start balling right now. Just listening Man, to a song. That's how I feel when I listen to Lil Uzi. Man, Slendy on is fucking good though. Yeah. She can sing. When I was young, my mom would play. Um, I remember this as I'm right when I talked about, or you mentioned Slendy on. When we lived outside Warman, we had an acreage and my, my parents were building a home. And in the meantime, we actually lived in a trailer on the, on the acreage. We yeah. had like a little trailer there. And I remember that my mom would always have either Slendy on on or Shania Twain. Yeah. And I was this like little boy just listening to that music, fucking loving it. Yeah. You know? And I just remember like, God damn, these like women can sing. Yeah. I remember know? Shania Twain too. Yeah. Uh, back in the day. Yeah. Celine Dion is good. She's yeah. dating that 97 year old. Celine Dion is? Yeah. There was, I don't know if the, she, um, he's still alive, but like, I remember when, when, um, I was young, I remember seeing her and I'm like, wow, she's, she's beautiful. And then you look at the guy and he's like, you're 90. Like, it, I think there was a massive age gap, but I think people respected her even more for it yeah. because you're like, oh wow. Like you've you've got all the wealth you've got the beauty you must really love this guy and you yeah you got the wealth so you're not with him for the money yeah right it's That's wild eh? yeah that'd be it'd be hard to be an iconic superstar level celebrity and be in a committed relationship yeah like talk about um options yeah you know it's like we think we have options because we got bumble and like dating apps yeah. it's like they don't need dating apps they get people just d like throwing themselves yeah. at them what can i do for you what like, can i do <laughs> you know like a, yeah. i don't know like a conor mcgregor or sean o'malley like their yeah. dms stupid i bet yeah oh yeah. yeah for sure it's funny though they that, that you said that because i um another thing that they mentioned on the podcast they were talking about um this one guy was like how how stupid jealousy is like sometimes we you know we'll we'll look at um elon musk and someone might be like oh i'm just jealous of his wealth and his mind like how does he create all these things and run this business and then you hear him on rogan's podcast and he he said very honestly and quietly and you could tell it was sincere he's like you wouldn't want to be me like you don't get to pick and choose what you're jealous of. Like it's a fucking buffet. Mm -hmm. You're not going there taking like, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like Tiger Woods. Some people are like, Oh, I want his wealth. And like, I want his golf game. Like he's so fucking good. Yeah. Well, his dad abused the fuck out of him his whole life. Mm -hmm. His whole life. He was abused. His family life is shit. Like he's not, he didn't seem like that happy of a person. Yeah. So do you really want to be jealous of that? You really want that? Yeah. Like, could you live with that? Yeah. You know? It's crazy, man. I remember reading lots about Tiger Woods. He comes up in a lot of books with examples of him. Yeah, you know, most greats do, eh? Like, cause yeah. they, they're so um, they've lived such a life, so many lessons in that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's it. I was um. <laughs> oh, what the fuck, man! I was having, I was having. I don't want to say writer's block because I'm not a writer, but mm. some days it's just hard to. I was trying to think of content to talk about. And then um, I couldn't think of anything. And last night I was sitting on the couch and something hit me. I was like, oh, this is perfect. We can talk about this tomorrow. And I didn't have my phone with me. I didn't have a paper pen. So I was like, uh, I'll get up in a bit no, and write it down. No, you won't. Gone forever. <laughs> yeah. Gone forever. Yeah. I know, man. I've, uh, 
yeah, obviously sometimes you don't, but like, yeah, most of the time I'll have a pen and paper somewhere or my phone and I have like my little notes and I just, I, I can't not put it there cause I know it'll be gone forever. Oh man. It's yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd log shit <laughs> constantly, especially when I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah. Pause it, replay it. Okay. What did they just say? And I write it down. I'm like, yeah, it's podcast stuff. Yeah. Um, I forget this, but what, what made you want to call Bill Spazoka and get into real estate years ago? Was it a, like a gut feeling or did, did like you fucking see a sign somewhere? Like what, what was it that's made you call him? Well, I think, I think different things built up leading to that moment. Like, um, I got back, I did business school. I got, I traveled after business school. I got back. I didn't know where to start. I got into sales just thinking, okay, I want to get connections. I want to get experience in that time where I was working that job, me and a friend, decided we wanted to save up together and buy real estate that we could develop or flip and and sell it and just kind of on the side invest in real estate. So we met Bill um, during the time that we started, we had enough for a down payment. So we started house hunting and his, my friend's mom used to go to a, used to work at a coffee shop that Bill used to go to for coffee. So we didn't know any realtors and he's like, Hey, my mom knows this Bill guy. Mm -hmm. We should call him. So we, we started looking at houses with Bill, obviously built rapport, got to know each other and bought the house using him as a realtor. And, um, since I sold advertising and I got to know Bill, I ended up meeting with him and like, he bought some advertising space in my newspaper. So he got to kind of see how I operated and, um, he got to see when we were looking at houses, I was like, I was kind of dialed in and I'm like, I was like asking the right questions and like, just like computing things in my head and thinking about resale. And so I think he kind of picked up the type of person I was. And, um, so I, so I had this, this, you know, relationship with this agent now just from doing business with each other in a couple different ways. And one day I was just driving out to work to my sales job and it just hit me. I never thought about it the day before. I never thought about it years before. I never thought about being a realtor. And it was just like, why don't I sell real estate? You know, Mm. like why don't I sell the thing that can pay me more? And like, what, what, like I have what these other people have, like, what do they have that I don't have? Like, why couldn't I do this? Mm. And it just hit me. And then I thought of just asking somebody I know in the business. So just on that drive, when it hit me and I was like, maybe I could be a realtor. Like, Mm. like it's kind of scary. It's kind of a big thing, you know, but like, fuck, like why not? And then I called him just on that drive when it all hit me and was like, you know, like, I think I just asked him, like, I'm just sitting here thinking, what do you think about a guy like me getting into real estate? Like, do you think I'd be okay? Do you think it's a little bit not for me? Like, what do you, I'm just, I'm thinking about it here. And he said, I was waiting for you to call me. Oh, wow. And we, we, I literally met, we met for lunch that day and we talked and we kind of like figured out how we could work together and then the next day I went and got my course. Mm. But I, he, he told me, he's like, you know, like I, I kind of wanted to work, mentor somebody, work with somebody who can, you know, um, who I can just teach things to and we can help each other. And um, I got to see how you like sell advertising. I got to see the type of person you were, like the questions you asked when we were looking at houses and just like how you carry yourself. And um, he, he, kind of got to know my family because my family when they were selling their house it was like a year before I got into real estate um they contacted him to get an appraisal Mm -hmm. so he kind of seemed like I came from a good family because he he knew my parents a little bit right and he's just like I think you like I think you would do great I think Mm -hmm. you'd do great you know and if you want he's like I didn't want to reach out to you and make you feel obligated he's like but I was hoping that it was something you intuitively wanted to do Mm. I was hoping you would like reach out to me one day so that's how it happened the combination between intuition and courage like having the intuitive feeling to call him and having the courage to actually calling him Mm because how many people have an intuitive feeling but maybe they just get scared or their mind starts to spin a little bit and then they just think themselves out of that intuitive feeling and they're like ah it's nothing (laughs) you know but yeah. that, and that's why I'm excited to get the book. Um, I think it's called Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday. Mm. Um, and I, I was just thinking this morning, for whatever reason, I just was like, the meaning of life is to have the courage to listen to your intuition. 
and that might not mm, be true at that's all. That's beautiful. <laughs> but I thought it was like kind that's of some a, real shit. It's like a nice thought to think about because like I I think that us humans are incredibly intelligent when we can connect to like the natural laws of the universe. And I yeah. feel like that intuition that we all have is there's, it's something more intelligent than just our brain. Like you said, it's like, you never thought about real estate before that you were, you went to business school, you did the flipping the houses, you were selling your advertising. And then on a drive, you're like fucking real estate. It's like, it's like a, a fucking God just throws an idea at your brain and you're like, it's like fucking, what are you going to do with this? idea? What are you going to do with it? Dude, it literally, everything changed for me in one day on one drive, yeah. one 30 minute drive, like legitimately. Um, I never even like entertained the idea in prior years of like, oh, maybe one day I could like sell houses. I never even thought for whatever reason, it seems like a no brainer. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into sales, you know, I like operating on my own, this and that. It seems like you would think at one point, like, do I want to sell cars? Do I want to sell houses? But I just never even thought of it until that one drive. Wow. But I'm huge on intuition, man. Yeah. And even when I kind of told my mom about it, like after, like maybe the next day, like, you know, even my family is like, are you sh like, are you sure? Like, you know, it's straight commission. Like if you're not selling this. And so the people were putting concern right. into my life about this decision. But my intuition was like, I have nothing to lose. I either go for this or I don't. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I don't make money for a few months, but like. You either go for it or you don't. Right. You know. Yeah, and it's weird because even in like a busy life, you can st your mind becomes still sometimes. And sometimes I wonder if you can get intuition if your mind isn't still. Like I always remember that quote where he was like, "Stillness is what aims the archer's arrow." And if you want to go in a particular direction, you need the stillness to go there first. If it's too chaotic and yeah. you can't hold the fucking arrow straight, like you might not go in the direction you need to go. So in that car ride, I wonder if it was just like you were just so relaxed and your mind just settled for a moment and all of a sudden, tum, light bulb goes off and you're like, holy shit. You Man, know, I, I think that's the case. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like I, when we first started doing this podcast, I talked about this book a lot, like the master key system. Mm. And I, just to kind of dip into that slightly again, the whole concept of like, there's a universal mind that is all around everybody at all times, no matter where you are. And the more aware you are, the more stillness you have, the more your internal doors are open to receiving this mm. insight, this, this light bulb moment, right. these, these gems. And I feel like so many of us go through life with busy minds that our internal doors are closed right. or they're just a crack open so that if we're walking down the same path, 95% of people don't see the thing that the one person sees whose doors are open, who is in the moment, who's aware, who has a quiet mind, Right. you know? And it's like the quieter you can get internally, the more access you have to receive these gems or this insight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's why we have these ideas when we're in the shower right. or when we're driving. You don't have these ideas when you're, you know, on social media or when you're right. um, listening to a podcast or when you're. That's what I was gonna say. I, I you know, do going back to the thirty day off social media. Like I, how do you find stillness in the day if your average time on social media is three to four hours? Which I, I have a feeling the average person is probably touching on three to four hours a day of just an influx of information. How do you find stillness when you've seen 170 videos that day? Shoom, shoom, just scrolling. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it's just zapping your dopamine. Yeah, and like, how do you find the stillness? And like, I wonder if women are like this, but I know for, I know for a lot of men, when you go to the bathroom, that's sometimes a moment of stillness. But now we have our phone to take with us and we Dude. scroll. But I feel like before that, like when you go like take a shit, you take an extra long shit because that little room is your sanctuary, especially like if you're a dad and you got kids and, you know, it's like it's noisy. You sit in that toilet and that's your stillness. But now we don't even get stillness from because yeah. we bring our phone with us and you just fucking scroll while you're shitting. I bet you the occurrence of hemorrhoids is a lot more common these days from people sitting on the toilet for too long. Oh, phone. yeah. Because apparently that's how you can get hemorrhoids is from like sitting on the toilet for just way too long. What about just sitting in general? Because, bro, sitting, watching that John Mulaney last night, my ass hurt bad. <laughs> and I was like, fucking Maybe you were onto something. Yeah. But I know people, I've talked to people recently, like of the younger generation, who they go on their 
they go for a bathroom break at work and watch like a video for 20 minutes on the shitter. But, but yeah, man, we don't have this space anymore. And that's why we have to, you have to just get disciplined to create it. Like I, like for me, like I'm relatively disciplined with a lot of things, but like within, in six years, I haven't taken like, I I wonder what the the longest span of uh, off social media I've taken. I don't know if it was a day. I don't know if there was a day that went by that I didn't go on social media in the past six years. That's insane to me. So what are you going to, how many, how much, how many hours a day did you use on social media? Hour and a half. It's not that bad. It sounds really good actually compared to most people. It used to be two and a half when I, but that was like three years ago. I remember I looked at that and I was pissed off. And so I was like, don't do that. That's too much. So are you going to fill that? now available time with masturbation (laughs) or are you do you have a plan to like read more or do you have a plan to like i don't have a plan i'm just not going to be on social media i do have a plan i wrote a couple rules out where it's like um for half an hour each day i want to listen to music okay you thought i was gonna say something stupid (laughs) (laughs) masturbating my head (laughs) um but yeah so for half an hour i I wanted to listen to music and just because i like like you listen to slindy on it's like i don't know sometimes it tugs on the heartstrings or sometimes you get like a powerful idea if it's like an inspirational song or i just feel like music sometimes helps the the brain juices flow a little bit oh man if i if it's sunday and the sun shining and like i want to be in just a good positive state and like me and Natalia are going to cook some stuff. She introduced me to this, um, um, like, uh, por- Portuguese, you know, Brazilian band, Nacho Hooch or something like that. Sounds like Hanato. <laughs> yeah. Hanato Laranja. Yeah. But, um, it's just feel good music. Uh-huh. And like, I don't know like most of the shit they're saying, but if you put that on in the kitchen on a Sunday at like 4 PM, it's oh. like, you're having a good time. Right. Like yeah. things are happening, you know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so man. it's like you put on some music, you know? Yeah. And, and like, uh, that's the other thing these guys mentioned on the podcast, going back to like this half an hour music thing was like, the guy just said like, he's like, man, like in this life, don't forget to have fucking fun. Like, God damn, we make goals for ourselves and man, are we ever hard on ourselves. But he's like, one of the biggest regrets on people's deathbed is that they didn't allow themselves to be happier. Like fucking do some fun shit, yeah. listen to music, like dance, go f- like whatever it is. Yeah. And so I just was like, I'm just going to like take time now that I have it to just like listen to music and just lay there. Like the other night, uh, Aaron was at home uh, and I think just Layla was around, but I, I shut off all the lights. I had one candle going <laughs> and <I> started <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> but I just listened to music in the dark, dude. Yeah. And it was fucking great. Yeah. Um, but then I, I want to read a lot. Like, I I feel like, um, without the, you know, influx of information with social media and stuff, I think I'm going to be able to like retain and really like, this is just the beginning, but I I want this podcast to be more valuable, valuable for people. And I want myself to gain more value from the books I'm reading too, instead of just kind of reading a chapter kind of on Instagram. Um, so yeah, like I set time frames for myself where I'm just reading more, listening to music, um, journaling a little bit more just by the end of the 30 days. I just want some good, powerful ideas and I just want to feel better, Yeah, you know? Yeah. 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 So let me ask you something. Does your, is your partner, is Aaron doing any kind of a social media cleanse or she, this is just you? This is just me. Yeah. She's all in on social media right now. And so like, that's, that's the beauty of it is like, I don't, I'm not dragging her into this shit. Like she's, she wasn't as active on social media as I was at all. She didn't care for it at all. But now that she's running her online business, she needs to be all in. And so like, I'm encouraging it. So yeah, she's creating and like using it as a tool. Exactly. And you know, she's got a pretty healthy relationship with social media. Um, we did take four days off weed together just, just now, but, um, yeah, but yeah, no, she's she's all in on it, and and again, I have nothing bad against social media. I just this is genuinely just like a thing that I felt the urge to do, yeah. And so I'm doing it because you know it'd be a hard thing. Let's say you both had a little bit of an unhealthy amount of time on social media, and then you decided to take thirty days off this and that. If mm. your partner was still like sitting there, you know, on her phone when you guys were like hanging out at night checking stuff, I wonder if you would start to be like 
get the fuck off your phone. Like, why are you wasting your time? You know, well, it might create conflict. For sure. I just pictured two really obese people that are in a relationship together. And if one was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to get my life. To, I need to start eating better. I'm going to exercise yeah. every day. Yeah. And yeah. your, and your other, your girlfriend or boyfriend didn't. And you were making all these lifestyle changes and starting to feel a little bit better. And then you looked over at the person you used to love and they're not, they're still like shoveling donuts in their face and just sitting there watching Netflix That'd all day. You'd be very turned off. I think. Yeah, you have to grow together. All yeah, the things you're gonna create a lot of friction. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I didn't. Yeah, I've. Yeah, I'm I'm all for her doing her thing yeah. on social media. There's no She's, concern there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, I'm uh, I'm definitely interested to see how yeah. how you're gonna just not like what you're gonna accomplish, but like how you're just gonna feel yeah. in your mental state of mind. You know. Yeah, man, I'm excited. And I, again, like I'm still gonna be posting the podcast. So like yeah. I'll, I'll we'll kind of touch on it every episode and just see how yeah I'm doing, for sure. You know, and at least the podcast is something you can do that's creative, but it's not like a. I fucking love the podcast. Yeah, it's Bro, so different than like a social media post or something. We got seconds left, but I I, I almost messaged you the other day, being like, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I just had this weird urge, like, I don't want to put myself out there. But then, like, I have moments where I'm like, fuck, I love this podcast. Yeah. It's like that weird creative thing where, like, I hate myself. Yeah. I love the podcast. I love myself. Yeah. It's a fucking roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway, episode 82. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.